It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Well, we're getting the Pipeline Podcast band back together slowly but surely. Uh, after everyone was scattered with the postseason wins, at least myself, Jonathan Mayo, and Jim Callis are back together. We don't really know where Tim McMaster is. We've filed the missing persons report. Hopefully we'll, we'll locate him soon and we'll have everybody back together perhaps by next week. But we are going to carry on, Jim. It's uh, good to once again share some podcast time with you it's been uh feels like it's been a very very long time even though it's only been a few weeks yeah it has and the, and the funny thing is we were talking about this before we came on the air we were both at the arizona fall league fall stars game uh last saturday you were broadcasting i was in the press box so we obviously did not talk during the game but we will probably spend more time talking today on this podcast than we did after that game we were both working on stories it's like we were we, we, we were like ships passing in the night or something. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we will, uh, we will get to all of that and, and other fall league stuff. But uh, first, I know, Jim, that you had a chance to sit down with, uh, I guess we can't really call him a, a prospect anymore, but the young Yankees first baseman, Greg Bird, who was in the fall league, uh, trying to come back from the injury that cost him the entire 2016 season. So let's take a listen to that interview now. Greg, the first time you were in the Arizona Fall League, it, it really went well for you. The league MVP hit a home run in the Fall Stars game. You led the league in six home runs. How much do you think that Arizona Fall League experience helped your career two years ago? Oh, tremendously. Um, I felt like it put me in a confident position going into spring training that year, um, feeling good, and uh, it ended up being a good year for me. This year, obviously, you missed the entire season with a shoulder injury, which is not what anybody wants to go through. How much do you think the Arizona Fall League can help you get back on track? And was this something you looked forward to? Did you request to come here? How did your return to the Fall League come about? Yeah, it was kind of a week-to-week, month-to-month thing as far as my progression. Um, I wanted to play at some point. I mean, obviously, if the doctor would allow me to. Um, and when it started to become more and more clear that he was going to okay that, this became um, something that I wanted to do. And um, luckily, they were uh, glad to have me, and I was able to come out here and get some reps. How uh, how's your shoulder feeling now, and, and overall, how are you pleased with how the Arizona Fall League season has gone for you so far? Oh, excellent! Um, just just playing again. I mean, I, I it was quite a long break for me, so um, just to be playing and um, just it, a confidence thing again. I guess getting used to playing again, um, going into spring training. But I'm right where I want to be, and I'll be ready for spring training. One of the, the, the great things about the Arizona Fall League, I guess, maybe from a non-player standpoint, is you get the prospect watch. Do you find yourself doing that at all? Because I, I my my thought coming into season. I think the Yankees have the deepest farm system in baseball. I think they've got the, the best group of prospects here in the Arizona Fall League. Is it kind of fun to see all these guys here, you know, Glenn Torres and company, uh, running around the Fall League? Yeah, I mean, this this time around is a little different for me. So, obviously, it's about getting my reps. But really, um, I mean, selfishly for the Yankees, it's about kind of passing on what I've experienced to these younger guys um, that have a great opportunity to help us win games. So. Um, just getting to be around them and, and help them when I can and just watch them and, and kind of see what they're about and how they go about everything. 
um, is a cool experience for me and for them too. Do you find that, I mean, the, your Yankees organization mates, they talk to you about what it's like to be in the big league since you have experience that they don't up there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we've had discussions about it, but, I mean, really the thing that I try to tell them, and, and the biggest thing for me is just play your game. Um, that's what the veteran guys were about with me. Just just be you. Don't change. Um, and that worked out well. So, for me, with them, it's, you know, there's a development standpoint in the minor leagues, but when you get that opportunity, just go up and be yourself and do what you've been doing here and in the season, and it'll all be fine. Is it exciting to see the talented players the Yankees have here and know how much talent's in the system? And and not only that, the fact that, I mean, the Yankees even publicly said, hey, well, we're looking to go a little bit younger than maybe we have in years past. So there's a lot of opportunity there for young players, not just you, but all these guys you're, you're getting to see play out here. Yeah, no, I mean, I would definitely agree with you, too. I think we have the deepest farm system in baseball right now. And, and I think in the past it's gone a little bit under the radar, um, and I think people are starting to see that. Um, so... It's really cool, and it's cool to see guys getting opportunities like we did this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fun to see youth and, and excitement and match that up with the veteran presence, and, and that's a good mix. So um, we have a lot of guys that can really add to that, and uh, it's going to be an exciting year and years to come. I'm going to ask you to play scout here for a second because when I've talked to scouts out here, I think the consensus is the best position player they've seen is Glaber Torres. You've got to see him on an everyday basis. New to the organization, obviously, because he came in a midseason and they rolled his Chapman uh, trade. What have you uh, been impressed about with Torres? Oh, I mean, everything I've heard has been true about him. But the thing for me is is he realizes that he needs to get better and he wants to get better. Um, and that's the biggest thing is you got to want to get better on a daily basis, um, year to year, whatever it is. You've got to want to get better and keep taking your game to the next level and – Ultimately, that is contagious um, in the minor leagues and then in the big leagues. So you get a big group of guys like that, and, and you got something cooking that's that's pretty special. Thanks, Greg. Really appreciate it. All right, good stuff. I, I remember Bird from a few years ago, and he's always impressed me, not just in terms of his hitting ability, but just sort of how he carries himself and seems to be doing the, the same this fall. Yeah, no, it definitely. I mean, it's I, two years ago. He was the MVP of the league. He led the league in home runs. He hit a mammoth home run in the Fall Stars game off of Archie Bradley. And besides the power, which was obvious, and the plate discipline, which was very good, I, I, I had the same thought, Jonathan, when I talked to him then, when I talked to him now. I mean, he, he's very comfortable, uh, I think, in his own skin. And I think he's the type of guy, I mean, you, you see players who can be phased by the demands and the attention in New York. And I don't think Greg Bird could be one of them. I think he's going to handle that just as well as he can handle big league pitching. No, I, I agree with you. Um, and so do my dogs. Uh, it's not a podcast about my dogs chiming in these days. So I'm glad that we got that in. Um, let's, let's go back to that Fall Stars game because, as you pointed out, we, we didn't even really get to debrief or anything uh, like that by the uh, end of, of that game and broadcast. Uh, obviously, a lot of tremendous performers, um, a lot of guys that you would sort of hope and expect to do well, did well. Um, so, who you know, let's, uh, let's I figure we could just bat it back and forth, pardon the pun, uh, and and talk about some of the guys that really stood out to us. So, Jim, I will uh, I will let you go first in terms That's of very which fall league guys, which fall stars guys. I, I'm a gracious guy. You are, you are. Fall Stars guy, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, the, the cool thing about the Fall Stars game is, is I kind of feel like, with the exception of the, the All-Star Futures game, you know, rarely, you know, especially for national TV audience, do you get to see 
that many good prospects on the field at the same time. And, you know, it was a 12 to four game, but when you have a 12 to four game, as you mentioned, there were a lot of guys doing a lot of things. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes you, you have maybe pitchers dominate the game or you have have a little bit of a ho-hum, you know, four to three game, but there was a, a lot of action. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot to like. I, I think that the thing I was most struck by was just the way that the that the West pitchers began the game. The, the West had, I think there were, if I remember correctly, Jonathan, I think there were four pro- pitchers in the top 100 prospects list who were in the Fall Stars game. They were all coincidentally on the West. And Brent Honeywell of the Rays, who who got off to a little bit of a slow, slow start in the Fall League before writing himself, he came out and he could not have done much more. He struck out five top 100 prospects out of the six batters he faced, uh, Franklin Barreto, Eloy Jimenez, Glaber Torres, Bradley Zimmer, and Anthony Alford. Um, he, he got one fly out, but, uh, I mean, he was he, he looked terrific. He hit 97 with his fastball. He got two strikeouts with his screwball. And, and then on the heels of him, so the West, you know, I mean, the East, uh, after six up, six down, probably figured, okay, well, I can't get any worse than that. And then it kind of did because Michael Kopech of the Red Sox came in, and he pitched two perfect innings. And I, I think the consensus – so far, from what we've seen out here, if you're just basing on the fall league, scouts would tell you that he's the best pitching prospect in the league. And he came out, and he hit 100 miles an hour five times, and it was six up, six down for him. And he got three strikeouts with his fastball. So, so that was the thing. There was a lot going on. Um, but those were the, that, that was what struck me the most, was just how dominant those two guys were against some very talented hitters. Yeah, I, uh, I agree on both fronts. I had heard that... Um, you know, one of the reason Honeywell started off slowly is that he came in, decided that he was just going to completely pitch off of his fastball his first couple of outings, to kind of working on fastball command and things of that nature. And so the results weren't there. And then he started folding in the secondary stuff. And anyone who watched the Fall Stars game saw uh, that he has a full array and he can uh, kind of go in and out uh, with any of those pitches. Uh, you know, and that screwball, to, you know, is, is more than just a trick pitch for me. Um, all right, so for me, I guess, you know, if you went pitching, that obviously is more than enough offense uh, to go around. Um, I think Willie Calhoun is the, is the easiest place to start when you're talking offense. Uh, yeah, Cody Bellinger also hit a long home run, but uh, – Calhoun had three hits um, and just hit the ball hard consistently in all three at-bats. Uh, and this is not surprising if you've seen him, you know, take batting practice uh, in the fall at all. It's, uh, I think I even said this on the broadcast, it is loud uh, contact uh, it's the kind of contact that makes you stop what you're doing and look up. Um, so, you know, to me, it, he just has impressed me with his bat speed, uh, the the power that's there. I don't, I don't know what you do with him. You know, I, I don't know whether or not he can be a uh, second baseman. I just don't know. You know, he's he's had an okay fall league, nothing spectacular. But solid, um, but he can really, really hit, uh, and he continues to be one of the most impressive guys. But I want to stop what I'm doing and watch anytime he's in the batter's box. 
Oh, you know, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, my guess is just from watching him and talking to scouts, I, I don't think he's really quick enough to play second base, and his infield actions aren't great. My guess is he probably winds up on an outfield corner when all is said and done. You know, maybe you play him at third base a little bit, and, and then if you have a better defensive option, you, you wind up putting him in the outfield. But uh, I'll echo what you said, Jonathan, about his BP, because that was what struck me about him seeing him at the Futures game. You know, I was sitting there, uh, like, it seems like every year I wound up doing a story on who has the best BP and where guys are hitting the ball, and he was on the, the very short list of guys who, who really stood out. I mean, as you said, I mean, you, even if your back is turned, you, you hear the ball come off his bat and BP, and you're like, wait a minute, who's that? You know, it's, it sounds like it's coming off a big leaguer's bat. And I mean, the other thing that's impressive about him, too, is I mean, we, we, we hit, there was an idea that he could hit. That's why he was a fourth-round pick. But I don't think anybody thought he was this good, especially this fast. I mean, he, he spent this year in double-A and, and handled it easily. So it'll be very interesting to see. You mentioned Bellinger, too. Alex Verdugo was also in double-A for the Dodgers this year. Those are, are three of their, their very best position prospects. And, you know, the Dodgers are going to have some options. I know they've spent a lot of money recently, but there, there's three potential big league regulars who are going to be ready for Chavez Ravine in, in probably a little more than a year. Yeah, it's an impressive trio. Uh, it's too bad Verdugo couldn't be in the Fall Stars game as well. And uh, you know, Bellinger hit the long homer. The, that power is legitimate, uh, and I think it's going to play. So you're right. It'll be very interesting to see what the, what they do uh, in terms of keeping all three guys. Uh, you know, finding room for all three bats in the lineup uh, in the future. It, it's I guess it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah, it's better else? than the alternative. Uh, yeah, yeah sure. I mean, the other guy who jumped out for me, you know, a little bit maybe more more subtly is uh, is Carson Kelly with the Cardinals. Um, he's having a good fall league. Yeah, this is a guy who's a converted catcher. He was a two way guy when the Cardinals signed him. They, they converted him to catcher a couple of years ago. You know, Mike Messini was very impressed, and obviously Mike Messini was a goal goal catcher, big league level in his first instructional league. Like he looked good. Immediately, not good, ready to catch in the big leagues, but Mike Matheny was impressed with what he saw. And, you know, I, I, we're seeing Carson Kelly, I think, as he gets more comfortable with catching, you know, produce more at the plate. I think he's one of the very best catching prospects in the minors. He's having a very solid fall league, I believe, as we, we, we talk right now, Jonathan. He might be leading the league in RBIs. You know, he two RBIs in the Fall Stars game, had a hit, had a sack fly. You know, and he looked good, too. I mean, you, you talk, you know, I was talking about Honeywell and Kopech, and you're talking about a guy who's got a screwball, which not many guys in the minors at all throw, and Michael right. Kopech, whose stuff is electric, and, you know, his command can be iffy. It was pretty good in the fall start game. And Carson Kelly looked very comfortable catching those guys. I mean, that's back-to-back, you know, pitchers in the minor leagues. I don't think you're going to get too often – too many guys with that kind of uh, with that kind of stuff, and he looked very, very good. So I, I, I think not that it would, not that it would be based on a one game look, but seeing Carson Kelly in half a game and just what I've heard about him this year, yeah, I think you know I think we know who's going to be Yadier Molina's successor when we, if Yadier Molina ever slows down. I mean, he may play till he's fifty at the rate he's going, but but right. I think we know who the Cardinals' next catcher is now. And I think you know. It, Teams always look for that kind of natural leadership from that position, and sometimes you have to grow into it. I'm pretty sure Kelly's always had it, and that plus the arm strength may may have helped them make that decision to move him behind the plate. But he carries himself like the leader on the team. Uh, You know, he took his time 
uh, up in September, where he you know, largely sat back and watched. Um, he got to help out here and there, picked up his first big league hit, uh, you know, and, and has used that, I think, just to add to that feeling uh, of being a leader, and not in a I know better than you way, in the, the, the way you would want. So, you know, that, that impressed me. Actually, both catchers in the, in the fall league impressed me. Jacob Nottingham, have, have you seen him behind the plate at all other than the fall stars game? Maybe one game. I mean, I know I saw him hit, and I can't remember if I – he didn't spin out good or bad behind the plate, and I can't remember if he was catching or dh in the day I saw him right. behind so, the plate. I mean, he almost threw a guy out stealing, which is you know, almost whatever, but and obviously uh, it's often on the pitcher anyway. But I had noticed for a while how much better he seemed to be moving compared to when I saw him the last time. Uh, and he told me that he did uh, – Basically, you know, he's like the Brewers nearly killed him, um, but he did a ton of flexibility and agility stuff. And he said he can do things now behind the plate just physically that he wasn't even capable of doing. Um, so it's still wait. It's a wait and see to see how it's going to work. But he looked much better behind the plate. He had the double. But one other guy I wanted to talk about was Ryan McMahon, who also homered. Um, and is turning into one of my favorite guys to talk to. So if you have a chance to uh, go go chat with him, he's, uh, he's a very good talker. I saw him the day before uh, the Futures game, uh, and he had three hits and drove in a couple of runs. Uh, and talking to him after the game then, he was working on a lot of things in terms of his approach at the plate. And he's like, the numbers hadn't been there. But he was hoping that the work that he was putting in was starting to pay off. So he has the three hits. Uh, then he comes back and he hits the homer uh, in the Fall Stars game. And, uh, you know, then he came back. Uh, you know, it was a long homer to one of the uh, no doubt about her kind of, kind of deals. And then he comes back and he has uh, another two-hit game yesterday. So, uh, I kind of like to see when guys are like, there's something that they're, they're working on and it actually starts to pay some dividends. The, the big number that stands out is that he's walked 10 times in his, in his 16 games in the fall league. So it's clearly he's trying to see more pitches, uh, not swing at pitchers pitches and, and work counts so he can tap into what is considerable extra base top for him. Yeah. And you know, he's a guy who, was on the top 100 prospects list coming into the year and had a rough year in Double A, which he'll tell you he had a rough year. But you know when you see what you're seeing him do in the fall league, I think is it gives you cause for optimism because as rough as his year was in Double A, he was a lot better in the second half than in the first. You know after really struggling, he figured some things out, started to hit the ball better, and it seems like he's doing the same thing in Arizona Fall League. And you know is he going to move Nolan Arenado off of third base? No, no, he's not. But he could wind up being the first baseman for the Rockies. Or, you know, as we often talk about, Jonathan, when we discuss the Arizona Fall League, I mean, you're not just here showing your organization what, what you could do. I mean, this is a league that's heavily scouted. All 30 teams scout the league heavily. All 30 teams get, you know, video with TrackMan data and watch it. Even, you know, even if you aren't here in person, the teams pour over this stuff. And so if you're blocked with an organization – the Fall League is a great place to show 29 other organizations what you can do. And, you know, the vast majority of times, if you're talented enough to play every day in the big leagues, you will find a place to play. It may not be your current organization, 
but you will find a place to play at, at some point. Right. right. No, very good points all. He looked pretty good at first base, and a little I've paid attention to that, so I think he'd be able to handle that. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, not all of the uh, good players or good performers in the Fall League are uh, were in the Fall Stars game. He couldn't fit everybody. Uh, so I'm just uh, curious, you know, Jim, you're out there now. You're going to be out there for for a while, but who are some guys or who's a guy that really has stood out to you um, beyond maybe who we've talked to or if you want to uh, elaborate on anybody we've already talked about? Yeah, I think for me the, the top guy, and I ran into him again yesterday, and it's kind of funny. It's uh, So I, I'm at the game, at the, the Scottsdale game, uh, was it Scott? I'm, I'm sorry, Scottsdale. Surprise and Mesa. All the teams run together a little bit. I was at the Surprise Mesa game yesterday, and as you know, you're often doing very, you know, multiple things here. I was doing the game story. I had to do some post game video for a Arizona Fall League project. You and I have both worked on. I was trying to get some draft stuff organized. And you run into people. You see, yeah, you know, there's just a million things going on. So at some point, I was back up in the press box. And I noticed the track man people were in the booth next to me, and they had a, a monitor you know, up showing what all the pitches were. And I'm looking over there, and I'm like, I think it says 100, 101. And I was like, who's out there? And I was like, oh, it's Frankie Montas. And, 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 and then it wasn't surprising because I saw Frankie Montas on my first swing through Arizona. Uh, I saw him pitch three scoreless innings, which is apparently what he does just about every time he takes the mound out here because now he's got 14 and third scoreless innings. But it, it was the same type of stuff. It was a hard slider. He's working on a changeup. You know, I think I want to say the start before this one, he was part of a combined no hitter uh, with Dylan Covey. Uh, they, they pitched the bulk of the game, but you know he's had crazy stats. I mean, of all the guys who have not given up a run in the fall league, an earned run, he's pitched the most innings at 14 and a third, and he's only given up five hits in that time. And, you know, he's. I think he's. He's. I, I think pitching to contact is overused because. You know, it, it seems like the people, you know, if you're that good, if you can hit the guy's bat from 60 feet away, you're pretty good. Um, but I do think in his case, he, he's been working on trying to find the strike zone and letting his stuff do the trick instead of trying to throw the ball by people or snap off a hellacious breaking ball. And the stuff's still been very, very good, and he's been very effective. I think the interesting thing for him is going to be, and this question has gone back and forth since he was with the White Sox before he got traded to the Dodgers and then traded to the A's, is he a starter or a reliever? I, you know, he had his season where he had some nagging injuries. You know, didn't pitch a whole lot. He had he had surgery before the season to remove a rib, and then he had further rib cage problems. So he really didn't pitch a lot at all this year. And I think the A's at this point just wanted him to get back on the mound and get some innings in. I don't think they've determined. I mean, they've barely seen him beyond the fall league, whether he's a starter or a reliever. But he's looked really, really good. I mean, he he's just made it look effortless. I think I've seen him pitch. At least, yeah, I guess at least twice, and I, and maybe a third time. I think it was, I know it's at least twice, and and hitters have had just no chance. I think I've seen him pitch six innings and give up two hits. Yeah, that works. That works. Uh, he uh, how about you? Who's, who's, I was gonna say um, who jumps out for you so, among guys who weren't in the the Fall Stars game. Yeah, so uh, a guy that I wanted to see in the game was uh, Josh Stomont. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, uh, the way it worked out. When uh, when I was out there, it, you know, I saw him not great, and then missed him really, really good again, and then he was really, really, really bad uh, yesterday. Um, so it's been a little bit up and down after he started out. Uh, probably one of the 
bigger names, and he's got the uh, you know a player of the week nod, uh, triple digits. Um, when he's been on, he has been ridiculous. That the, the good outing between the two not so good ones. Uh, he just gave up one hit in four innings, and you know overall, uh, you know his last outing he gave up seven earned runs and five hits in an inning and two thirds. So his numbers are all skewed. Uh, even the the not so good outing the time before he did go four innings. Um, it was interesting to know early that you know he was commanding the baseball a little bit better and he's come back to walking a few too many guys. I, I still maybe he ends up being a reliever. I'm curious to watch to see what he does in his last little bit. Uh, I'm going to guess that maybe he's got one more one more start. Um, maybe two, um, just to see what he does. Cause this is a guy who pitched really, really well in double a at the end of the year, uh, certain things clicked, uh, and, and particularly in terms of the command, uh, he's always missed bats, but he also, he walks, you know, he walked 104, uh, in 123 and a third combined innings this year. But if you look at his last, I think it was six or seven starts, uh, and then the playoffs started. I think he was really, really much more efficient. And if that's for real, then you're looking at a guy who could be really interesting in, in the very near future. You know, and, and he pitches for an organization, the Royals, that has not developed a lot of homegrown pitching. I mean, the Royals, I think, will tell you they didn't want to go give 70 plus million to Ian Kennedy last offseason, but they had to. You know, they, they needed a rotation fund. I, I was at Stillmont start yesterday, and I had seen one of his earlier starts. Where I too have seen him good and bad, you know he he throws you know, he can throw as hard as just about anybody in the minors. I, I think, you know he Kopech and maybe Thiago Vieira, who who's left the fall league, um, were probably the three hardest throwers in the fall this far. They're all capable of hitting triple digits. As you pointed out, I mean it, it's overwhelming stuff. He led the minors in strikeouts per nine. He also led him in walks. He, they, he has trouble repeating his delivery, and they, they've got him with a delivery. He's doing a better job, and he had pitched pretty well. You know, for the most part, you know, I think one bad outing until yesterday. And yesterday, his his stuff, you know, it's possible he could be getting tired, too. Because what what struck me about him, Johnson, too, looking at the guys from the league, is he didn't really miss any time during the season. He threw a lot of pitches during the season, you know, 100 and I think 20-something innings with a lot of walks. Um, So he was here basically to get more work on on repeating his delivery. And I wonder if he hit the wall a little bit yesterday. Because yesterday he was kind of sitting around – 94, 95 miles an hour, touching 97 in the first inning. But the fastball was kind of flat. His changeup kind of looked like a BP fastball. He, he really didn't have any, any snap to his curveball, maybe one or two good ones, but most of them were just kind of rolling up there. And he just got pounded. Ian Happ went the other way. Ian Happ, you know, who's not having a great fall league and, and probably should have been in the fall stars game, Ian Happ's been solid. He's not having a bad fall league. But Ian Happ went the other way, you know, batting left-handed, and hit a ball that just kept going and going and going. And I was, you know, you, you always hear about Ian Happ's deceptive strength, and, and I saw it. And just kind of after that, it just Stomont seemed to sag a little bit on the mound. The mound presence didn't blow me away. My guess is, when all is said and done, he's probably a reliever because you know, there, there's a lot. He, he's made some improvements, but there's so much more that, that, that he still needs to do, control and command wise. But all that said, it's a, it's a really, really Impressive. Bottom. I was going to say one other guy, Jonathan. I don't know if you got a chance to see him. Who's impressed me? And, and, and on one hand, yes, I don't try to 
read too much into fall league stats because it's a small sample size and it's not necessarily, you know, the, the hitting prospects usually stand out more than the pitching prospects just because you're not going to send guys here to pitch if they, if they had a full season in most cases. But Andrew Stevenson is a guy, a Nationals outfielder, very, very good defensive outfielder, probably the best defensive outfielder on the college crop in the 2015 draft. And I think he's shown more offense, at least to this point in his career, in the minors uh, than, than people thought. And he's having a really nice fall league. He, he's hitting 355. He, you know, he's part of a very talented Glendale lineup. We were talking about all those Dodgers players are all on Glendale. He, he's second in the league in hits. Uh, he, he's up there in terms of runs. He's even driven in runs. And he's the type of guy that if he just gave you – if Andrew Stevenson is a big leaguer – could hit around 260 with a decent on-base percentage and, and even not a whole lot of power, he'd still be a good big leaguer because the defense is that good. And if his bat is as good as it's looked and the glimpses I've had at him here, and again, I know it's fall league. I don't read too much into the stats. and You get short looks at guys and, you know, you know whatever. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean he's like that for 150 games. But, I mean, this could be a really interesting pick for the Nationals. I, I've been very, very impressed with him. I have not seen him. Um, but that is good to know. Uh, I always like the guys who you know have that reputation to defend or they can really run. Uh, and they, you know, even if you just get a small glimpse, uh, it makes you want to see what happens after the fall league to to see what kind of big leaguer they they, they can become. Uh, so it should should be interesting. Uh, I think uh, I think we've covered enough ground. Uh, we've got a Another uh, couple weeks uh, of fall league coming up, Jim. I know that you've got a live broadcast coming up soon. Yes, we've got uh, the annual military appreciation game. Uh, it's like you pretty much at this point in the season, Jonathan, as you know, people should be playing their Saturday nights around MLB Network because they're going to get a fall league game with either you or I broadcasting. Last week you did the Fall Stars game. This week I've got the military appreciation game between Peoria and Salt River. Uh, on Saturday night, it will be broadcast live at 8 p.m. Eastern on MLB Network. I believe it will be me along with Paul, uh, Paul Severino and Joe McGrain uh, doing the honors uh, of the broadcast. And, and the guy who I'm kind of interested to see, because I don't think I've run into him yet when I've seen Peoria. And Peoria, for whatever reason, is the team that I just have not run into as much, just the way we've, we've been assigned to games. But they've got a guy who, who might be the MVP of the league, Jonathan, and I'll get, I'll get a quick scouting report from you if you've seen him. But Zach Vincy, I believe, was the Rawlings minor league gold glove shortstop, although I think that's based more on fielding percentage than you know, necessarily jaw-dropping tools. But he, he might win the Triple Crown in the league. He's hitting 390, and he's second with three home runs and 15 RBIs. So I, I'm looking forward to, to getting a look at him uh, Saturday night. Have you run into him at all while you've been I, out here? I have. I have. I have. And I almost, you know, I'm glad you brought him up because I – I, uh, I forgot to. Uh, he has been one of those. Every year, there are a few folly guys that you literally have to ask who he is. Uh, I didn't. I was not familiar with, with Zach Vincy before the folly started, and I do the Reds list, so um, I guess that's you know, pots upon my house. But uh, he has been impressive on both sides of the ball. He. You know, he can definitely play short, but he's probably one of those guys who can move around if that's what he ends up being. But his, his, his at-bats have been really, really good. You know, the fall league is a very small sample size. But it's not like he's just been like a punch-and-judy kind of hitter. He, you know, he, he makes hard contact. 
uh, really good approach, sees a lot of pitches, patient. I mean, all those things uh, have looked really good in, in the time that uh, I saw him to the point where I ran into somebody in the Reds' front office when I was out there, and I was like, who is this? I mean, I literally, like, what is the deal with this guy? You know, I think that he's one of these guys that might be, you know, a more productive and better big leaguer than he was ranked as a prospect. Um, so it'll be, be curious to see if this, you know, if this small sample size is, is indicative of, of what he might be able to become. So I think you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy him on Saturday. And I'm going to absolve you for any, uh, any guilt you might have, Jonathan. Uh, I mean, not that we bank based our rankings on, on draft status, but this guy was a 37th round pick. I mean, he was he was not a a top top guy coming out of college at Pepperdine. And again, if you look at his minor league numbers coming into the season and in three years of full season ball, he never even reached 700 in, in terms of ops. And this year he hit a little bit better, but with no power. So I mean, I think we're seeing you know whatever I, whatever whatever has happened. And I'll be curious to kind of dig into it a little bit because Zach can see seems like he he's, he's raised his game. A couple of levels in the fall league, so uh, so no guilt for you over leaving him Thank off you. the red. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. He may he may he may make it on there uh, based on his fall league performance. We'll have to wait and see. Well, I'm sure we will have much more fall league coverage. Uh, enjoy the broadcast on Saturday, Jim, and the rest of you come out in Arizona. And uh, I'm going to go uh, back to searching for Tim McMaster. How's that sound? Man, that sounds good. And I and I hope that next week when we I have a feeling we'll be talking Fall League again and probably previewing the AFL championship game. Hopefully, Tim McMaster will be back with us on the air. I hope so. If not, we will uh, we will do the best that we can. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, we will we'll be back here. But thanks for joining us this time on the Pipeline Podcast.